بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على نبينا محمد خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين We continue the explanation of Surah Yaseen قال الله تعالى أتخذ من دونه آلهة Still the uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is relating to us what this believer said أتخذ من دونه آلهة إن يردني الرحمن بضر لا تغني عني شفاعتهم شيئا ولا ينقذون Shall I take besides him Aliha, gods? If the most beneficent Allah intends me any harm, their intercession will be of no use for me whatsoever, nor can they save me. So this is an exclamation as a way of negation. Shall I take? It means I shouldn't take. And we discussed earlier that when statements in the form of exclamation intending negation, then it indicates challenge. Then it indicates challenge. Al-istifham إِذَا أَتَى بِمَعْنَ النَّفِي فَإِنَّهُ يُفِيدُ مَعْنَ التَّحَدِّي This is one saying concerning this verse. However here it refers to impossibility. Here it refers to impossibility. This is the preponderating opinion. Meaning it is impossible that I take besides Allah God's the quality of such gods is as he described their intercession is of no use for me whatsoever this is their status so if Allah intends him any harm their intercession will be of no avail Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in this verse, listen here carefully please, He said, shall I take besides him aliha gods, اتخذ من دونها آلهة إن يردني الرحمن If الرحمن intends me any harm, Allah didn't say if Allah intends me any harm. And there is a point of benefit here in this. Mentioning the name Ar-Rahman for Allah instead of Allah, this denotes mercy. This denotes mercy. Lest, if some people would read this verse, if Allah intends me any harm, some people may think that there is no Rahmah reaching and therefore this could be a delusion that Allah's intent <coughs> of harm opposes his rahma and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
mentioned his, his name Ar-Rahman here <coughs> because the intent to do harm to man could be a mercy to him listen the intent to do harm upon man قد يكون رحمة له could be a mercy to him listen to the following verse in Surah Al-Rum chapter 30 verse 41 قال الله تعالى ظهر الفساد في البر والبحر بما كسبت أيدي الناس ليذيقهم بعض الذي عملوا لعلهم يرجعون evil, sins, disobedience has appeared on land and sea because of what the hands of men have earned by oppression, evil deeds, sins, etc. That Allah, listen, that Allah may make them taste a part of that which they have done in order that they may return. In order that they may return. How? By repenting to Allah. So, whatever befalls man from harm has good consequences. And that is, the return to him and taking heed and taking lessons in what has befallen him. So this believer said أَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِهِ آلِهَةً إِنْ يُرِدْنِ الرَّحْمَانُ بِضُرٍ لَا تُغْنِ عَنِّي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا وَلَا يُنْقِذُونَ Their intercession will be of no use for me whatsoever nor can they save me Intercession الشَّفَاعَةً In principle it means intervening on behalf of someone to bring a benefit or ward off a harm. This is in principle what it means. So these idols worshipped besides Allah, the people who worship these idols claim that they only worship them in order to bring them closer to Allah. This is what Allah told us about them in Surah Az-Zumar in 39 verse 3. مِن دُونِهِ أَوْلِيَاءِ مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَدُوا Surely Verily Those who take awliya besides him They say we worship them only that we may bring us They may bring us near to Allah So they claim, they claim that they worship them so that they intercede for them with Allah. Is this delusion or thinking correct? Of course not. Because in fact they worshipped them and they didn't take them as a means of nearness. Rather, they took them as an object, a game, a, an aim 
a goal. And that's why when they worship them, they magnify them and they forget about Allah, their creator. So he said about them, لا تغني عني شفاعتهم شيئا. These gods, you know, they, their intercession will be of no avail to me. ولا ينقذون and they are not going to help me from destruction or from the harm which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may have intended for me. The benefits of this verse. First, making clear this calling and blame and denial against those who take others besides Allah for worship. Second benefit, and this is repeated still again in this verse, and which we talked about it in the revision, that one should link the ruling to the reason or dalil because he said shall I take besides Allah gods if Allah intends any harm to me etc so these gods are of no benefit and they can bring no harm nor repel so they don't benefit their worshippers and they cannot inflict harm upon those who turn away from these gods nor that these gods repel or ward off harm from their worshippers. So, all in all, it is a loss. All in all, it is a loss. The third benefit. Every worshipped object is a God. Every worshipped object is a God. However, if the object of worship deserves to be worshipped, then the object of worship will be a true God, and the true God only. And this cannot be except to Allah, the most magnificent, the most mighty. And if it doesn't deserve to be worshipped, then worshipping it is futile. The same also applies if divinity is ascribed to it. This is clear in Surah Al-Hajj in 22-62 قال الله تعالى ذلك بأن الله هو الحق وأن ما يدعون من دونه هو الباطل That is because Allah He is the truth and what they invoke besides him is the battle, is falsehood. And from the benefits of this noble verse is affirming the will of Allah Azza wa Jal. Affirming al-irada. Let's write that down. Al-irada lillahi Azza wa Jal. Al-irada. The will. 
because he said in yuridni rahman if allah intends and the irada the will of allah is divided into two categories the first iradatun kawniya iradatun kawniya which is which means a the universal will the universal will al irada al kawniya And it means Al-Mashi'ah It means His will Allah's will We said universal because it encompasses everything And What Allah intends What Allah wills In accordance with this category is inevitable to occur what Allah intends what Allah wills under this category under the al-irada al-kawniya Allah will bring it to exist it is inevitable to take place and it does not necessarily and this rather does not necessitate that what will occur is beloved to Allah. It means al-mashi'a, it means the will. It's inevitable that what Allah intends will take place. وَلَا يَلْزَمُ أَنْ يَكُونَ مَحْبُوبًا لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى And it does not necessarily mean that it, whatever Allah wills to occur is beloved to him. As an example, kufr, disbelief. Allah willed it to occur, right? Put one please. Allah willed it to occur. To come to exist. Is it beloved to Allah though? Is it beloved to Him? No. So, the mere fact of its existence does not necessitate that it is beloved to Allah. So whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed to create and to bring into existence, does not necessarily or entail that it is beloved to Him. Allah brought to existence Iblis, Shaitan, But he is not beloved to Allah. And all of Allah's actions are related to his wisdom. Inseparable. They are not separated from his wisdom. This is the first category. The second category of Al Irada, Allah's will, is the legal will. Is the legal will Al Irada to Sharia. Legal will Al-Irada 
الشرعيه ذا ليجل ون which means وهي بمعنى المحبه which means love يعني it is beloved to Allah Allah loves it because it is his legislation this however does not necessarily mean that what Allah legally wills will come to exist underline this So, does not necessarily mean that what Allah wills will come will come to exist under this category, under His legal will, al iradatul kawniya. But anything under His legal will is beloved to Him. As an example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislates <coughs> matters and He loves them. But does this entail that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislates <coughs> will come to be carried out by people <coughs> will it come to exist Allah commands not to sin but people sin Allah loves obedience But it may not come to exist. He commands obedience. There are those who will <coughs> comply and there are those who will not. But his legislation, his will here is beloved to him and he loves to see that people comply but it is not necessarily that they will you see the difference between the two now <coughs> between these two categories you understand now the difference no fine Now, if someone says, back to the verse again, we're still talking about it. In If the most beneficent intends harm for me. And we know that harm is evil upon man. So how can we reconcile this with the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, الشر ليس إليك and evil is not attributable to you meaning Allah how we reconcile this when if someone says harm is evil upon man so how can we reconcile this with the saying of the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام الشر ليس إليك and this hadith in Sahih Muslim and evil is not attributable to you the answer. The answer. The Prophet ﷺ did not say, Ash-sharru laysa mink. 
the Prophet ﷺ did not say, evil is not from you. Rather, he said, evil is not attributable to you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may intend evil. However, his intent of evil is good. The evil is in his occurrences, in what he brings to occur, not in his action. Understood? Put one. This is very important. Allah may intend evil. However, his intent of evil is good. The evil is in the occurrences that he brings to exist. في مفعولاته ليس في فعله Not in his action. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Clear ya? Sister has salafiya now. Um Huda also. Clear. Alhamdulillah. فَالشَّرُّ فِي مَفْعُولِهِ لَا فِي فِعْلِهِ So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may intend for evil to take place, but for a greater good. This greater good negates attributing evil to him, therefore. And that's why one differentiates between الشرمنك evil from you and evil attributable to you and therefore الشر لا يضاف إلى الرب and therefore evil is not attributable and related added in the statement you can't add and say الشرمنك however it is added or related to what he subhanahu wa ta'ala creates and from what he brings from occurrences however these created things and occurrences are evil from one angle and good from another angle and therefore his actions subhanahu wa ta'ala all of it is due to hikmah and noble objective Take for example Al-Marad Illness Diseases Afflicting men There is no doubt That it is evil with respect to man's health But man does not Comprehend the blessing of health but if he if he is touched by illness he can then properly estimate the ni'mah the blessing and in the opposites matters become clear now we breathe. We breathe while we eat. We breathe while we talk. We breathe standing, sitting, laying aside. No problem. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordains, however, to restrict our breath, and you will have constriction in breathing, then we will comprehend clearly the ni'mah, the blessing of breathing. So, consequently, this evil is a relative matter in reality. So the evil in reality is a relevant matter. الشر نسبي في الواقع 
نسبي في الواقع Another example Floods Earthquakes Drought Evil With respect to the pre-decree of Allah They are good With respect to those Upon whom These things befall They are evil However They are good With respect to others Who take heed And learn And fear And They could also be good For those afflicted Such that they return to Allah Azza wa Jal As Allah made it clear In the verse we recited earlier In Surah Al-Rum 30-41 Zahra al-fasadu Fil-barri والبحر بما كسبت أيدي الناس ليذيقهم بعض الذي عملوا لعلهم يرجعون and therefore we conclude that there is no opposition and contradiction between the saying okay with the, the verse yes evil has appeared on land and sea because of what the hands of men have earned That Allah may make them taste a part of that which they have done In order that they may return by repenting to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala So therefore in conclusion there is no contradiction nor opposition between The saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Al-sharru laysa ilayk Evil is not attributable to you And in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala referred to in this verse On the tongue of this, uh, of this believer If the most beneficent intends harm Is this matter clear? Is this matter clear inshallah? What about the rest? Yes Where are the rest? Alhamdulillah more, yes From the benefits of this verse Is the affirmation of the attribute of mercy to Allah Azza wa Jal Affirmation of the attribute of mercy This is taken from Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahman In this verse لِأَنَّ الرَّحْمَانَ Because الرَّحْمَان Is a derived attribute وَصْفٌ مُشْتَق And the derived attribute Denotes المعنى المشتق منه The meaning From which it is derived Inevitably This is in contrast with the names which denote not a meaning like stone, soil, tiger, lion. The derived Names must denote a meaning. Inevitably, it denotes a meaning. This is concerning the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and His book as to those who may carry such names. These names may denote the meaning and they may not. For example, we may call a person, name him Abdullah. Abdullah. While he is a kafir, Billah. 
Well, he disbelieves in Allah. And we call some person Muhammad. While he is blameworthy. And we call some person Salih. While he is most corrupt of mankind. From the benefits of this verse. Is that the worshippers of these gods besides Allah deceive people when they claim that they worship them as means of nearness for them with Allah so that when the person hears what they are saying so they think that well you know they are making these gods in a status lower than the rank of Allah but in reality they are not taking them as intercessors rather they are taking them as partners with Allah because they worship them as they worship Allah so we learn from this verse that one should be careful concerning deception in using statements or words by people of falsehood and deviation because these people may call themselves or say about themselves certain things which may entail that they are on the truth while in reality they are not for example the Mu'tazila, the Mu'tazilite sect they call themselves, listen what they call themselves they call themselves Ahlul Tawheed, the people of Tawheed. When you listen to this, you would say Ahlul Tawheed, people of Tawheed. And those who deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names and attributes, they call themselves Ahlul Tanzih, people of glorification. They say, well, we glorify Allah. While you people of Ahl-Sunnah, you don't glorify Allah, so you're made of Allah like an idol, and you resemble Him to His creation when you affirm His attributes. You know what they mean? They mean when Ahl-Sunnah say that Allah has a face, because Allah described Himself having a face, a magnificent face. Those people of denial... They come by way of what they call glorification. They say, no, you are making Allah like an idol. We don't say Allah has a face, because if we say Allah has a face, then we are making Him like like a creation. So they come in these ways, deceptive. Is that clear? Also the Mu'tazila, the Mu'tazilites, they say, we negate the sifat in order to single Allah alone. Why they said this? They said therefore about themselves we are Ahlul Tawheed. We are the people of Tawheed. How? Because they said if Allah has many attributes this necessitates more than one entity. You see the deception? Are you getting this now, inshallah? Are you getting this? That's why they call themselves Ahlul Tawheed. We are the people of Tawheed singling Allah alone. You see that? Is that clear to you? What about the rest? Alhamdulillah, we have 
طيب ما شاء الله طيب so this is deception also take another case of deviation from them the Mu'tazila they deny that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has any relation regarding the actions of the slave they deny that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has any relation with the actions of the slave so they call themselves Ahlul Adl listen to this they call themselves the people of justice why? they say you people of Ahlul Sunnah you are people of injustice and oppression because you made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unjust in your saying that Allah you know this is what they are claiming in your saying that Allah ordains sins and then punishes the slaves for them but we the people of justice we say man is independent totally independent in himself and in his actions you see their claim now so they call themselves people of justice While Ahl Sunnah affirm a will for man and affirm a will to Allah Azzawajal, and man cannot escape the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Christians, Al-Nasara, they call themselves Al-Masihiyun. So as to beautify their creed and to look nice and sound nice. Al-Masihiyun. What would you understand from their claim that they are Masihiyun? Al-Masihiyun in relation to whom? Al-Masih. You see? In order to delude people to think that they are on the deen of the religion, they are on the religion of Al-Masih. You know who is Al-Masih? You know who I'm talking about? Al-Masih. Who is Al-Masih? Isa alayhi salam. Prophet Isa alayhi salam. So they say we are Masihiyun. Christians. While in reality, Al-Masih, Isa ibn Maryam, alayhi salatu wasalam, is innocent and free from what they claim. And that they are not truly on his deen. Had they been truly on his deen, they would have accepted the glad tidings which he brought them. The glad tidings of the coming of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As Allah stated in Surah Al-Saf 62 verse 6 or 61 verse, verse 6 Ya Bani Israel, inni Rasulullah ilaykum min 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 
And remember when Isa, son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I am the messenger of Allah unto you, confirming the Torah which came before me, and giving glad tidings of a messenger to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmed. But when he, Ahmed, meaning Muhammad وسلم, came to them with clear proofs, they said, this is plain magic. So had they been truly believers in the Injil, in the Gospel, then they would have believed in Muhammad وسلم, Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 157, Those who follow the Messenger, the Prophet وسلم, who can neither need nor write, whom they find written with them in the Torah and the Injil. So, in reality, they did not truly believe in Isa, nor in the book of Isa, which is the Injil. Still, however, they called themselves Bil-Masihiyin, in order to beautify the falsehood upon which they are, and make it acceptable for people. So, therefore, the conclusion, we should be careful from At-Talbisu fi التَّلْبِيسُ فِي التَّسْمِيَةِ Deception in names. From the benefits. لا أحد ينقذ من أراده الله تعالى بضر. No one can relieve and save Anyone whom Allah intends harm to befall him. Because in the verse he said, وَلَا يُنْقِذُونَ And they cannot save him. So if someone now comes and say, كَيْفَ يَجْتَمِعُ هَذَا How can we reconcile this? مع أننا نشاهد الغريق how can we reconcile this when we see a person drowning, taken by the wind, falling in the water, and there comes a man and saves him. So therefore, this man saves him from what Allah intended for him from harm. So how can we reconcile this? The answer. The saving of this person is preordained by Allah. وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ Had Allah the Most High ordained the destruction of this person, then no one will be available next to him. And if Allah willed his destruction... No one who is able to swim would be next to him. And if Allah willed his destruction, then there may be someone there, but who doesn't like to do good. So, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for him a person able to save him, and this person loves to do good, then Allah saved him by his ordinance, by his preordainment, that Allah will provide for him someone to save him. And we believe in the causes, but we don't believe that they are totally independent. So uh, we are on a medium course between those who deny the causes and between those who claim that the causes exert their effects independently. We say they exert the effects since Allah put in them these effects. Allah will put the effects for them to work. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed, He would have taken these effects. The fire burns 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the fire, commanded the fire, when Ibrahim alayhi salam was thrown therein, in Surah Al-Anbiya 2169, Kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. Kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. And it became as such, bardan wa salama. O fire be coolness and safety for Ibrahim. And so it was. And its ability to burn was taken away from it. It was deprived of its ability to burn. Water is a flowing essence that cannot be blocked except by a barrier. And when Musa alayhi salam stroked the sea with his stick, water turned into mountains as mountains without barriers. This is something other than the known causes, but it is by the decree of Allah Azza wa Jal. And therefore we know that these causes have effects in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts in them from effects. And because of the mentioning of the fire of Ibrahim alayhi salam, some of the Mufassireen mentioned that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the fire to be coolness and safe, some of the Mufassireen mentioned that all the fires in the entire world became coolness and has no effect of burning. However, this is an error. In fact, it is Opposing the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In contrast to the command Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Ya naru Referring to the nar To the fire In which Ibrahim was thrown And if someone says How could this be said it is most likely that this could have been from the way of the children of Israel. And uh, sometimes some people take the news from the children of Israel without checking that they may be in opposition to the verses in the Quran. So this brings the end of this verse. Alhamdulillah, the explanation of this verse. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi Muhammadin. And may Allah the Most High bestow on our Sheikh from His mercy. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make of this a benefit that continues for Him in the hereafter. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.